Hi there, good morning. Greetings from Singapore. So good to be able to join you here and you guys here at FCC Perth. It's probably a bit colder down there where you are. I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Benny for giving me this privilege to share this month and this weekend with you, your missions month and how you can love your community even more. I know many of you are very excited about being able to greet and meet each other on site instead of just online. But I believe there are many who are still connecting with us online and that's really cool. But I want to say a very special thank you, especially to those of you who are clicking in for the very first time. I know and I pray that the Word of God and God's presence will indeed touch you in a very real way today. So would you like to join me right now as we pray and commit this time to the Lord? Father, we thank you again for your grace and your mercies in each and every one of our lives. We thank you that thou you are a Lord God that go across nations. And even today, as we gather in your name, Lord, you are here with us. I pray today, Lord, that you will meet each one of us at our unique point of need, whether we are on-site or online. I pray that your word will touch us, will minister to us, and will indeed refresh us. Father, I pray that the words from my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, will be acceptable before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like to begin with a little quiz, just to get our brain juice going. Okay? So don't worry, it's going to be quite easy. I'll give you a word, and you just have to shout out for me the opposite. Okay? Are you ready? The opposite of fast is slow. The opposite of long is short. The opposite of cold is hot. The opposite of young is old. The opposite of stuff is hard. The opposite of love is uh, hate. Now, I'm not so sure about that last one. From experience, I've come to realize that the greatest hurt or pain we can give to another is not even to hate them, but just to be apathetic and indifference. And in English, we call it bochap. The famous dramatist and playwright George Bernard Shaw has this to say, The worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. Let me read that again. The worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. You know, on the same point of indifference and apathy, you may have heard this old pastor's story before, which still rings true today. There was this pastor that came up to his church on a Sunday morning and said, I have a three-point sermon for you today. Point number one, there are millions of people around the world who will go to hell today. Point number two, most of you seated here don't give a damn. And then after a longer than normal pause, he continued. Point number three. Many of you here are more concerned about your pastor's dam than the millions that are going to hell. You know, now even as we quietly laugh over this story, if we are honest, we know that well how much this does reflect scarily some of the conditions of our heart today. 
I certainly, it is certainly true of me. I find myself more occupied with things of the church than the unchurched. And many of you here would agree too that it is a close reflection of the highly urbanized, organized, and even now digitized church around the world today. Insulated, air-conditioned, and very comfortably seated. Often more concerned about the pastor's damn than the millions that are going into damnation. However, I do believe something is shifting. In the midst of this COVID-19 global pandemic, there's beginning a shift and a change in the climate in our nation and the nations around the world. Even the skies are getting clearer and the waters getting cleaner. You know, it doesn't take much for us to discern that God is shaking the heavens and the earth. And whatever, we, and whatever that can be shaken will be shaken. And this pandemic has shaken more than just our physical health. It has shaken economies, social systems, institutions, cultures, kingdoms, nations, governments, and global powers too. You know, I believe we are living in what I call a Hebrews 12, 26 moment. In Hebrews 12, 26, it says this, At that time, His voice shook the earth. But now He has promised, Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. You see, the Word of God is very clear. When God speaks, the earth shakes. There's a shaking on the earth, then there's a shaking in heavens too. So God is speaking in the midst of the pain and the pandemic, the crisis and the calamities and the chaos and the conflicts too. So the big question that we should ask ourselves then is this, if God is speaking, then what is God saying? If God is speaking, then what is God saying? You know, another way to put this would be this. If Jesus was in our midst today, what would He say? If He's standing here in, our, in this crisis or He's standing here in our church services, on-site and online, what would be on His heart? I believe we can find it in our key text today. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. This is what it says. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You know, there's something very important here to note. Jesus clearly reminds us that there's really no problem with the harvest. Indeed, it is. It is plentiful. The urgent and important call is for harvesters because the workers are few. Now, it might even sound a bit out of place, especially in the midst of what we are experiencing here today. In this crisis, the isolation, the social distancing, lockdown movements and circuit breakers. But you know, it is precisely for this very same reason, I believe. It is so much more urgent so much more urgent for a time such as this. Because you see, God works in what I call the opposite spirit than to the ways of the world. 
I believe it is so crucial for the church today to break out, to break out of its apathy and indifference, to answer this call in these crisis times, to literally get out and to go out. Now, I'm not asking us to break the laws of the land, but I believe we must break out of a spiritual lockdown mindset as we face the global crisis of a generation. What we have before us is not just a crisis of a generation, but I believe an opportunity of a lifetime. Like never before, a Kairos moment, a crisis that is reshaping the world and the church too. A time for the nations that God wants to see come close to Him. A time to turn nations Godward. So the big question then would be this. What then is holding us back? What is preventing us from responding just like Jesus? What it is that, that, that moved Jesus to such a cry of desperation to see the harvest as we look carefully into the text? It is clearly stated as this. He had compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says this, When he saw the crowd, Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, that's where I believe it all begins. A heart of compassion for the last, the lost and the least. I believe God is calling out to His church today to be a transforming agent of change. God wants to touch your heart so that we can touch the hearts of many out there in need of the love and the touch of God. So what is this compassion that Jesus had? What does it take for you and I to have that compassion for the lost? What does it take for us to receive this heart of compassion? You know, by definition, Compassion is really a deep sense of love for others. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in the Hebrew and Greek translation, compassion can be literally translated as a gut feeling for the needs of others. So in some translations, uh, it comes out as bowels of concern. So literally in, 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 in the Gospel of Matthew, when, when Jesus, when it is stated that Jesus had compassion, it would literally read something like this, that Jesus had a, 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 a bowel of concern for the people around Him. In one sense, Jesus had this feeling that came out from the deepest and His most innermost being. In fact, it is translated often as a sympathetic spleen. Today, I believe God wants to touch you and I are fresh again. He wants to fire up the church in this very Kairos season to get out and to go out with compassion. That's the title of my message. Compassion. Don't leave home without it. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to study in the context of the Gospel of Matthew where the word compassion was used four times about our Lord Jesus. And from these four references, let us try to draw out what are some of the steps that you and I can take in order for us to develop this heart of compassion. It is found, the reference are Matthew 9, 36, Matthew 14, 14, Matthew 15, 32, and Matthew 20, 34. So what are these three things that I see 
that can help us develop this heart of compassion. Step number one, we need to open our eyes to see the crowds because God's heart is for all people. Step number two, we need to open our hands to meet their needs because God hearts, God's heart is to bring healing. And then finally, step number three, it is to open your heart and ask of Him because God's heart is compassion. So let's start with the first. Open your eyes and see the crowd. So turn to the person beside you right now and say, open your eyes. You know, the first thing that you would notice from the scripture, where it is recorded that Jesus was moved with compassion for the lost, it is preceded by a very interesting phrase. And it says this, when he saw the crowd. Matthew 9, 36 says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without the shepherd. Matthew 14, 14 says this, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. Interesting, isn't it? That a key first step in having a heart of compassion for the lost is simply to just open our eyes. Open our eyes. We know how true that is, that, that, that someone said this, that there is none so blind as those who will not see. So even from the very physical point of view, how this comes together, what we see and what moves our heart. It is like when I say to you, you know, the ocean is really huge and big. You know, many of us urban dwellers and city folks may not understand or quite comprehend the vastness and the hugeness of this fact. Until one day, if you and I are found, I was find ourselves in an ocean liner, maybe in the middle of an ocean, and all around you is the deep blue sea and there's no land inside at all, that's when you begin to understand how huge an ocean is. You see, there's something about the eyes. The Bible tells us the, that the eyes are the window to your soul. So it is with the world that is lost. When Jesus reminds us that there is a crowd out there who is lost without God, Often, you and I are limited by our past experiences and our past visions. So until you begin to see the crowds, the actual vast extent of that lost world, your level of compassion will probably just rise up to where or what you have seen or have seen before. So that's why it is interesting to note, isn't it? That when Jesus himself said, on these occasions, when he saw the crowd, he saw them as sheep without shepherd, he saw the, the vastness of their lostness in that sense, he was moved. So a good question that we can ask ourselves next will be, are we ready to open our eyes to see what Jesus sees? Are we ready to open our eyes to see what Jesus sees. Many of you here would probably have heard stories from Pastor Benny about the Love Singapore movement in Singapore. God has indeed uniquely raised a movement like that for the last 25 years where churches have come together in unity to pray and to believe God for the transformation of our nation. And indeed, it is a miracle. It is a miracle that pastors can con and churches can, can connect and, and love one another and believe this nation and serve this nation in a very unique way. But how was this vision birth? Let me share with you. When I was leading a community service in our church, Whole Touch Community Service, we had our very first flag day. 
And Pastor Lawrence Kong was the chairman, and I, I said, Pastor, would you just take this, this, this can and go out to the busiest MRT station in Singapore, and that's Raffles City. And why don't you do your part? Lead us and, and lead, lead, lead us and be, lead us by example and go out there and, and, and raise funds for the, this charity. And so he did. On that Saturday morning, he went out with a can and he stood there at the, the, the busiest MRT station in Singapore. And as he stood there, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him as he saw the crowds coming out of the station. And as the crowd started coming out to him, the Holy Spirit asked him this question. Would you believe that these crowds today can be saved? Or in other words, the Lord was prompting him and asking him, do you believe that the crowds in Singapore can be saved? And this is what he said to us, that at that very moment, he said honestly, he was not able to say yes. In fact, that began a very troubled weekend for him. As he began to, to struggle with this thing, as, as he was the, the, the senior pastor of a big church, and he says, it's very easy for me to stand up on Sunday to tell my church, Singapore can be saved, Singapore can be saved. But when you're actually confronted with the crowds before you, do you believe that Singapore can be saved? I believe the Holy Spirit was working on his heart. And so it took that whole weekend for him to struggle and then that Monday evening, he shared with us, the Lord gave him a new faith, a confidence, a strategy of unity, of coming together and believing this nation can be saved. I believe God deposited in his heart a new sense and a deep sense of compassion for the lost. And that's why this movement has been going on for the last 25 years. We believe that there will be a nation touch, a church revive and a nation transform. But how did it all begin? It began when he saw the crowds. But you see, we need to be aware that there are sometimes there are things that will prevent us from seeing. In the physical even, our eyes can be blocked or sometimes when something's come before us, we don't recognize it. Or what's worse, we are often looking the wrong way. You know, I remember that when I was a trainer in, in my church Bible school, there's a program that I did for personal effectiveness. And one of the exercises I did was that I made all the students walk one round the church building that they are so familiar with. And I asked them to come back and show me five things that they have never seen before. Well, I want to tell you that batch after batch, everyone came back with five things they've never seen before. A building that they're so familiar with, a place that they're so familiar with. And as we process this whole exercise, and we ask them, why do you think we, you could be able to see things that you've never seen before? And one common refrain that comes back to me was that, Pastor, because you asked us to. You know, there's something about intentional seeing. And I believe this is what God wants us to do. God wants us to intentionally open our eyes to see the crowd. That's why Jesus in John chapter 4, 4 verse 34, 35 says this, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Don't you have a saying that still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes, look at the fields. Exactly. 
This is what you and I need to do. I believe the fields are opening up before us. I do believe that COVID-19 has opened our eyes to see fields that we have never seen before or not quite got used to. The online and the offline church, the on-site and the off-site church, the social media kingdom and all its uh, uh, related worlds, uh, cyberspace, augmented reality, and, and the Lord opened our eyes to look at the fields. And I pray that, that, that after this weekend, many of us will walk the grounds of our neighbourhood, walk the malls, go back to our campuses, go back to our schools, and our eyes will be open to see the crowds. God will begin to place in you a new heart of compassion. So that's the first step. How do we develop and grow a heart of compassion? Number one, we open our eyes and see the crowd because God's heart is for all people. But number two, the second step is this. We need to open our hands and meet their needs. Turn to your neighbour again and say, open your hands. <laughs> Let's take a look again at the next two locations where the compassion of Jesus was expressly recorded for us. We read in Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Then the next reference is in Matthew 20, verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes immediately and they received their sight and followed him. You know, here we find two very interesting uh, uh, locations where it was recorded for us that Jesus had compassion. In the first, of course, you know that Jesus has spent three days with the crowds and the people were hungry and I suppose Jesus was also hungry. And on, and, and on the second location, he was on a move and, and amongst the crowds and there was these two blind men shouting their heads off uh, amidst all the noise and asking the Lord to have mercy on them. But on both of these occasions, what do we see? We see this. We see that Jesus stopped and made time to care. Jesus stopped and made time to meet their needs. Even in his busy and crowded schedule, running from place to place, from meeting to meeting, from one assignment to another, from one event to another, we see the compassion of Jesus coming forth as he stretched forth his hand to feed, to touch, and to heal. You see, compassion by definition is a deep, feeling from within us. But it is more than just a feeling. It is in fact a doing and working word. Therefore, to develop a heart of compassion, our hands must move. Our hands and our feet must be moved. Just like Nike would say, just do it. We need to act on the needs that are laid before us and meet these needs. You see, you and I don't have to be a Mother Teresa. In fact, for some of us who have been experienced working on the field and working among the disadvantaged and needy, often I realise that they do not ask much from us. In fact, they just often ask from us a little helping hand to get them on the field again. Here I want to tell you a story about Madam Chua. You see her picture here on the screen. 
But let me tell you why this story is so, in one sense, bizarre to start with. When my community social workers and therapists was visiting her home, they found a relatively young lady in her 40s in bed for 14 years. Now listen carefully, she was in bed for 14 years. Now this happened because she had a fall 14 years ago, right, uh, in her home. And because of that, she hurt her back and she had a phobia of getting out of bed and standing up. She had a child then, which was one year old, one plus. And for 14 years, she did everything from her bed, have her meals and, and did her toiletings and everything and all. And she has been lying there for 14 years. After our social service workers and all encountered her, they begin to encourage her to say, maybe there's a possibility for you to take the first few steps. And she refused. But it took about six months of persuasion for her to finally be willing to trust our therapist to say, maybe I can take a first step. And they brought her next to the window and helped her stand up for the very first time. And suddenly she realized that she could. And with a bit more uh, exercise and therapy and improvement, she began to be able to transfer herself out of bed onto a wheelchair and in fact, go to the bathroom and have her bath for the first time after 14 years. Well, I'm glad to report since then, Madam Chua is really back on her feet again. But you know, as I listened to this story reported to me, what was to me a greater tragedy? The greater tragedy is this. Her child, which was at one year old when she fell and she lied in bed, was now a teenager when she is now capable of standing up and walking again. What a tragedy for a child to have grown up not having a mother to be with her in a time like that and to just miss out on her childhood in one sense totally. But I was very encouraged by this story. This story just reminds us that as we start to encourage people just to take that first step, great outcomes can come out of it. But you know, one day when I was praying about this whole incident, suddenly I felt a strong nudge from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just prompted me to say this, that this can exactly happen. This can exactly happen to the church today. You see, our inaction and our failure to act, because maybe we have tripped somewhere, maybe because of the fears, maybe we have fallen down once, we develop a phobia about even taking another step out of bed. And that fear begins to build up. And it could even go on for years and years. And in the meantime, your children and one generation may have grown up not knowing or receiving the mother's love. Wow, what a tragedy. Indeed, as I saw this, that's why God began to say that we just need as a church to not miss out this opportunity. Today, many of you, many of you, I know God is already speaking to you 
and as He's been even challenging you to take these steps as you step out. As I talk, the Holy Spirit is, I believe, prompting and speaking to many of you about that neighbour that you have or that person that's beside you at work or that, that person you encountered at the mall or at the patrol station. Don't delay. Do not let it go by. Do something. You need to respond. You do not need to stay in bed anymore. You see, a critical breakthrough in this step of developing a heart of compassion is really this, to step out and meet needs. Responsive action that not only, I believe, move our hearts and move our spirits, but I believe it will also move the heart and the hand of God. Listen to these words from Scripture again. Proverbs 21, 31 says this, If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. I don't know about you, but I'm scared out of my socks about this verse. It means that sometimes, sometimes our prayers are not heard. It's because we have shut our ears to the cry of the poor. Isaiah 58 verse 10 says this, And if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. How often we have prayed and asked God, Lord, I want to see the light, I want to see the light. Maybe what we need to do is to spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy their needs. Robert Schuller has this interesting quote that says, A successful life is one that finds a need and meets it. I believe so. A successful life is one who finds a need and meets it. Because you see, that is just like Jesus, a servant of all. So how do we develop a heart of compassion? Number one, again, remember, open our eyes and see the crowd. Number two, open your hands and meet their needs. Because God's heart is to bring healing. But finally, the third and final step will be this. In order for us to develop a heart of compassion, we need to open our hearts and ask of Him. Ask God. Go to God because God's heart is compassion. You see, lastly, when we read and we go back to the text again, Jesus turned to His disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then He said to His disciples and said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You see, finally, Jesus went to the source of all compassion to make His plea to the Father to send forth workers into the field. He prayed for the harvest. He prayed for the harvest to be reaped. And He asked the Lord God Himself, who is compassion, to send workers. Now this might look like the last step, but definitely it is not the least of the steps. In fact, I believe it is such a vital step. Because you see, without this step, all the steps that we have taken above would just be vain works. Because finally, this connects us up to the supernatural. This connects up to the God of compassion. This connects us to the fact that God wants us to pray for the lost so that the loss will be reached. 
You know, I believe that Jesus did not just make this statement or say these statements. I believe when he mentioned, when it is recorded for us here in the Gospel of Matthew, I believe he actually prayed this prayer. What a prayer! I believe that he called on to God and said, God, please send workers even into the harvest field right now. Why do I believe this so passionately? You see, there's an interesting word here used in the, in the translation, by the, used here, and, and that is the word sent. Sent workers into the harvest field. In fact, the actual translation looks something like this. The word is cast out workers into the harvest field. So I believe when Jesus prayed this prayer, asking the God of compassion to send workers into the harvest field, He literally prayed this prayer. says, Lord, cast the workers out. Cast them out so that the lost can be reached. So often I challenge people, I said, would you rather go willingly being sent or would you rather go unwillingly being cast out? Because God's heart is compassion. You see, as we have seen in recorded church history, when the compassionate heart of God comes in and takes over, history would never be the same again. Many of us know about the Welsh Revival in 1904. We know of the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. The North Korean Pyongyang Revival in 1907. Are we living in a time such as this? We are living in interesting times, as many people have said. Some of you may have seen this little cartoon going around, and the devil says, with COVID-19, I close all your churches. And God's reply was this, on the contrary, I've just opened one in every home. Now, it may look like a funny cartoon, but I believe this is no laughing matter. I believe it is more real today than we realize. Our church buildings may be closed, but God has just opened up one church in every home. So ask, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers even into the harvest field. As I said at the start of the message, we are living in a Hebrews 12, 26 moment. The earth shakes and the heaven, when, when God speaks, and when He speaks, the earth shakes. But what is He saying? In Isaiah 54, verse 10 to 11 says this, Though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Listen carefully again. Though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, what? Who has compassion on you. So as many people have been saying, COVID-19 may be the crisis of a generation. But I believe it may be also one of the largest altar calls that the Lord has just opened up to the world today. It was exciting and inspiring to see the local church, even in Wuhan, China, stepping out in amazing ways to meet the needs of the community. Even churches in Singapore have also been at the forefront of many of the ground-up initiatives to meet the needs of migrant workers here and also supporting the work of frontline workers. 
we are seeing more prayer definitely rising up to the heart of God. Here in Singapore, some of you probably heard, we have this movement called Praise Singapore at 12, where every day at 12 noon, the alarms on our mobile phones will be ringing and wherever we are, whether we are at a meeting or at lunch, we pause for a minute to bring this matter before the Lord in unity, that one hour, one minute moment at 12 noon, every day since February 14. I believe God is raising a call, a cry of His people up to Him in this very crucial time, calling on the Lord of the harvest, God of all compassion to come. I believe we are in that kind of a time where God is opening our hearts again to pray and ask God to come and send forth workers into the harvest field. So how do we end? How do we recap? How do you and I develop this heart of compassion? Remember again, number one, we need to open our eyes and see the crowd because God's heart is for all people. Secondly, we need to open our hands and meet needs because God's heart is to bring healing. But finally, and not lastly, we need to open our hearts, pray, ask of Him, call out to Him, because God's heart is compassion. You know, I know that I'm speaking to many people in the body of Christ today, and many of us have probably heard a message something like that, a call to reach out, a call to touch, a call to know that there are needs out there in the community that we need to meet. And many of us often also, in one sense, sometimes get tired and fatigued of even hearing this call. But it is so important. It is so important for us to respond. Let me share with you in closing a very important life lesson that God taught me very early in my ministry but I believe it has then laid a key foundation in all that I have been working in over the last 30 years. I remember one day, on the morning while I was driving to the office, and as I was driving to the office, on the opposite side of the road, I saw a man on a wheelchair trying to wave down a cab. And as I was driving by, I just felt this prompting turn around, go and help him. Maybe give him a lift somewhere so that he can get his cap. But I said, Lord, I begin to argue with God. God, I got a meeting to go to. I'm on the other side of the road. I'm going this way and he's going the other way. You know, and, and, and I gave all sorts of excuses. And I said, I cannot do it. I, I, I'm late. I'm doing everything else. But after about four, five hundred meters, that prompting was so strong. It beat in my heart that I couldn't help it. I swung my car around and made a U-turn. And thank God, I found him there still trying to wave down a cab. So I stopped my car. I asked him, sir, uh, can I give you a lift to somewhere that will help you? And he was so grateful. He says, yeah, never mind. Maybe this place here, I, I couldn't really get a taxi. What if you can just drive me about 300 meters from here to the other main road? That's where we could get a, 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 a taxi. So, so I, I, I got him into my car, packed his wheelchair into the back of my boot, and I drove him 300 meters to this other main road. And he was so great. He kept on thanking me as I put him down by the side of the road, uh, put him back onto the wheelchair, and, and I said, uh, it's okay, and I, I started to drive off. And as I drove off, I was just, in one sense, 
patting myself on the shoulder and say, Eugene, Boy Scout, good Boy Scout, you did your, your, your good deed of the day. But just as I was thinking those thoughts, I in one sense got a whack on the head from the Holy Spirit. And I heard the Holy Spirit then say to me, Eugene, do you think you did that man a favour? And I said, Lord, yeah, I, I, I did him a favour. I just brought him uh, to a place where he could get his cap. Then the Lord said this to me, and I will never forget it to this day. He says, Eugene, you did not do him a favour. You did yourself a favour. I said, Lord, what do you mean by that? And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He says, every time your heart turns away from a need, it will get that much more colder and harder. Every time your heart turns away from a need you see, your heart will grow so much colder and harder. Wow, from that day on, I knew, I knew that in the days ahead in my ministry, in every time when God shows me a need, I need to respond. Because if I don't, that heart can harden and that heart can get so much more colder. And this is what we're going to close with today. I believe today God wants to touch your heart and change your heart. I believe there are many of you today hearing this word, hearing this message. The Holy Spirit has already prompted you and showed you people and needs around you. And today, you need to respond. Today, you need to ask the Lord to give you that new heart of compassion. So in a few moments, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask wherever you are, whether you're standing in the auditorium, whether you're in the auditorium, or back in your own home, or back in a, a, a location of your own, in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to stand up where you are. Just by doing that, I want you to indicate to the Lord that today, by faith, you want Him to change your heart. You don't want that heart to get any much more colder or harder. And today, you say, Lord, I want a new heart of compassion. And if you are doing, and if you like that, and if you want to do that, I'm going to invite you right now in a few moments just to stand. And I'm going to pray a prayer for you, a prayer of dedication and a prayer that I will ask the Lord to just touch us afresh and touch me afresh again so that our hearts can be compassionate to the needs around us so that we can respond the way Jesus did with that heart of compassion. Would you stand right now? And let us pray. Lift your hands to the Lord and allow me to pray for you. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you are in our midst today. I know, Holy Spirit, that you are here. You have touched us. You have spoken to us. Father, today you have shown us needs. You have shown us needs. You have opened our eyes to see the crowds. And Lord, today, I ask that you will change our hearts. Father, today as we stand before your presence, I ask that you will give us a new heart of compassion. And as you place that heart upon us, Lord, we turn to you again, the God of compassion.
because you have first touched us. Lord, help us to take steps ahead. Holy Spirit, empower us. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness. Give us that breakthrough that as we step forward to meet those needs, Lord, we would encounter the God of compassion. Father, we thank you for this day and we know that you are here. And I pray and I bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.